Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. The title of today's message is God's Provision Requires Faith. God's provision requires faith. Let's go ahead and start in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask you to bless your word. That your word would comfort, correct, instruct, and exhort us, Lord. And that your word would be the final authority within our life, Lord. I pray that you just minister right now by the power of your Holy Spirit. And you would do a mighty work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the story we're going to look at today is the story of Elijah. And what God did with Elijah. Remember in our uh, Sunday school classes, we would hear how Elijah called down fire from heaven. And God ministered to his people and used him as a mighty man of God. Well, we want to look deeper into the life of Elijah and see how God provided for him. And how God makes provision, but only through faith. Does God make provision? And we'll look at that real closely. But we need to look at first the what is, uh, why does God provide? What is the bigger picture here? Okay. First, for God to provide or to bring provision, you must be in the will of God. You must be surrendered to God's hand. In order for God to do a work, he needs to first have you submitted to him so that he may use you and move you to be where he needs you to be to bless you. It is often said that, you know, when you sign a check, nobody can duplicate your signature. It takes a super professional to be able to master your signature. As sloppy as I write, it's going to take even more than that. But I can only do that as the pen is surrendered to my hand. If the pen is not surrendered to my hand, I can't write what I want. I can't write my signature. I can't write anything. Even if the pen has only 25 or 50% control, I still cannot write exactly what I want to unless that pen is surrendered to my hand completely. And in Ephesians 2.10, it says that, We are his workmanship, created for good works, which he has determined beforehand. That word workmanship there is the word poema in the Greek. It means poem. You're God's poem. And God wants to write a love story out of your life. Not only to you, but to the world. But to write that, he needs you to be in absolute surrender to his hand. So that he could write that story out of your life. That's why you have to be in the will of God or be doing the will of God to be able to have God's provision. Secondly, God is not a genie. You have to remember that. That it's not some abstract power and you get three wishes. And God has to provide because there are three wishes. Okay? You have to see that it is according to the will of God in your life. When you came to Jesus Christ, you said, you know what? I'm tired of my life. I'm tired of living on substitutes. I'm tired of being empty, not knowing where I'm going, what life's all about, living on drugs, alcohol, the whole thing. I want to give my life to you. I want to surrender. I want to know what heaven's all about. I want to know why you made me. And you said, here's my life, Jesus. And when you said that, you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Jesus. 
He said, not my will, thy will be done. Alan Redpath says, thy kingdom come, my kingdom go. That's what you said when you gave your heart to Christ. And that's where you need to be in order to be able to provide for you. Because if he wants to lead you a certain way and you won't go, it won't happen for you. It won't work for you. Whether it's figuring out what your destiny is and all these things. Because that's what the real big picture is all about. It's not providing for this one dark moment in your life. Whether you need strength for temptation or you need financial provision or whatever your crisis or circumstances may be, this is just one little spot on the whole destiny of your life. And you may be living in the moment, and you may be in crisis of the moment, but that's not the big picture. The big picture is that you are his workmanship, created for good works, which he determined beforehand. Ephesians 2.10. That means before God ever threw a star in the sky, he had a plan for your life. He knew who you were. He knew what you would do. And he knew how he would use you. And that's the bigger picture. And God has you on this mountain peak, but he wants to take you higher. He wants to do wonderful and greater things with your life. But in order to get there, you need to go through a deeper valley to get to that peak. And that's where some of you may be. And God provides you everything you need to make it. But the bigger picture is being conformed into his image. Fulfilling your destiny of what he has for your life. And that's what's going on here with Elijah and all the things that he's going through. Let's take a look at the bigger picture with him. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1 says, And Elijah the Tishbite and of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except by my word. Ahab was the most wicked king of all the kings who ever existed in the northern kingdom of Israel. None had done more wickedness than him. And so God sent Elijah the prophet to come before the king and tell him no more rain now the king would sit there and people would come in and say hey you know this is from the king of Moab and all these treasures oh great and then another one would come in we need you to settle this dispute and the king would settle the dispute and then all of a sudden this prophet walks in and says no rain until I say so and walks out and everybody's like it's his problem man what an attitude guy's so negative isn't he you know and that's the last they see of him until there is no rain. And when there is no rain, and he says here for years, and it's three and a half years to be exact, but it got so bad that Elijah, or not Elijah, but King Ahab and Obadiah would go through the land just looking for places where the animals could graze because everything was dying because there was no, no water. It was, it was dry. But, the prophets of Baal that served under him, 450 of them had plenty of food, well taken care of. But the people were suffering because of it. It was like most wanted posters everywhere for Elijah because they were looking for him to hunt him down because he was considered the troubler of Israel. Well, God tells him, 
and, and, and to go to the brook of Cherith. And this is the first place that God makes provision for Elijah is at the brook of Cherith. Let's look at this. Verse 2. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward, and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So when he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan, the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank of the brook. Now, he says, go by this creek, stay there, and I'll send birds to feed you. That takes faith, if you think about it. Okay? You mean I can't go to Vons and pick up some groceries first? Or how about if I go to, like, uh, Bass Pro Shop and go get all this camping gear and all this stuff that I need to survive out there and get like six months supplies, go out and then go by the brook. No, just go. I'll have the birds feed you. Now the scripture says about God's provision that God provides even for the birds of the air. Not one falls to the ground without him knowing. Think about that accomplishment. Okay, Think about and fathom how many birds are in Almani. That's a lot of birds. How many in L.A. County? How many in California? The United States? North America? The planet? Innumerable. We can't count them all. Yet, God feeds every one of them. And not one of them falls down to the ground without his knowledge. And he says, you are more valuable than they. Do you see how powerful and all-knowing he really is about your need? About everything that you're going through? If he can do that for the birds, how much more for you? How much more for you? And now, at this point, God's not only feeding the birds, he's having the birds feed Elijah. And they're dropping off food in the morning, dropping off food in the evening, and it's to the point, literally, where he's like, oh, man, I'm stuffed. I can't eat that one. The birds are bringing him food, and he's getting full, and God is providing. But it took a step of faith to be where he needed to be in order for God to provide for him. Now, you see how much faith it would have taken to take that step? It wasn't an easy thing to do, to trust God. And God moves in your life like that. God will say, I need you to do this. And you're like, no, I'm going to use Visa. And whatever case may be and wherever God may have you, understand when God speaks to you, you have to be surrendered to his will in order for him to move in your life. Because this is not the big picture here. The brook of Cherith wasn't the big picture for Elijah. What was the big picture? To call down fire from heaven. And transform a nation back to God. That was the big picture. But there was a preparation of the heart that had to occur in order to have that faith to call down fire from heaven in the end. And it started right here at the brook of Cherith. It took a tremendous amount of faith. And look at what he did. God provided day by day. I mean, I would be like 830, 
Where are those birds? You know, six o'clock, where are those birds? But God provided every single day. You know, God can, God can just like, okay, you won the lotto. Here you go. Millions and millions of dollars. Solve all your problems in a heartbeat, wouldn't it? Every single one of us. But where would faith grow? How would you ever grow in trusting God? Because it's not about, poof, provide your needs. It's about, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Fellowship with me. Abide in me. Learn of me. And if you on your knees daily, God, take care of me. God, help me. And he provides day by day by day. That relationship grows deeper and deeper and deeper every single time. Because it's not about you. It's about you and him together. You have to really understand God doesn't need us. God can have angels across the sky screaming out the gospel. We need him. And he needs you to understand he loves you and he wants to help you. But you need to surrender to his hand for him to do so. And to surrender to his will and put your understanding aside and let him do the work. Let him do a move in your life. I remember when I was a baby Christian and I had to uh, move out of my apartment because my roommates ditched me when I accepted the Lord because we were all crackheads at the time, you know. And they ditched me. Hey, you see if God can pay your rent. I said, he will, you know. And I was all excited in the Lord. Okay, Lord, you can pay my rent, you know. You know, a week before rent's due, he's going to pay my rent. You know, two days before it's due. A week after, it's still not there. I come home. And there's an eviction notice three days on my door. And I'm like, wow, God, what are you doing? Wow, God, I thought you were supposed to provide. Because if you look at the next part of the text, it says the river dried up. And now it's time to do something. I mean, Elijah was probably like, okay, you know, it's getting a little low there, Lord, on the water. What are you thinking, God? Time to go somewhere? And all of a sudden, just a little trickle, just barely enough for the day. Okay, God, the water's going. And all of a sudden, the scripture says, the brook dried up. And he could have said, you know what? I've got to get out of here. I've got to go find some water. I'm moving base camp. I'm going over here to this river now. But no, waited on the Lord. And God said, go to the widow. So, that day when I saw that notice, it was a Wednesday, and I had to go to church that day with these people that were bringing me to Calvary. And I remember getting my Bible and throwing it in the street and saying, you're not real. You're supposed to provide. You didn't. You made me look stupid. I don't want nothing to do with you. And I was walking away, and then just something spoke to my heart. I said, go back. So I went back. I picked up the Bible. As soon as I picked up the Bible, my friend showed up, you know, and go to church and Pastor Rob goes, hey, you know what, somebody, you guys need prayer. Come up here and we'll pray for you. And I went up there and I just poured my heart out before God. I said, I'm surrendered. I'm completely surrendered. I don't know what to do. I'm at my wit's end. But I, I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to walk away. I'm going to trust you. And as I was exiting the church, going into the foyer, 
This guy stopped me, handed me an envelope, said, Lord, put on my heart to give that to you. Open the envelope, and it's $400. I go, great, God. Rent's 1300 What are you doing? I don't get it. Why would you only provide a little bit? And I was like, what's going on? And I didn't understand what God was doing. And as I was going out into the parking lot, one of my friends goes, hey, man, we just moved into this place. It's great. It's a Christian home. We all got together. We're all pitching in. you got to be there, man. you got to be there. I go, how much is the rent? He says, 400 bucks a month. I'm like, wow. I say, man, God, how do you do that? You know, it was in a way I didn't expect. It was in a way I didn't understand. But I had to be at the point of surrender before God could move, before I can move in God's hand. And it takes patience and waiting on God, okay? It always requires obedience to wait because you can get up and move. You can get up and do this. You can get up and do that, or you can get on your knees and get in touch with God and find out what he really wants to do. And allow him to move greatly in your life. Because you know what happens? You're like, wow, God is real. And you're that much closer to him. But in the process of it all, in the waiting, it breaks you. It breaks you. But in the end, you're closer to God. You know, when the, the, the sheep would go astray, you know, you ever see that staff that they use with the hook? They just like, pull them over, get them back in line, you know? And then all of a sudden, this one kept going astray and kept going astray and kept going astray. He would take that lamb and he would break its legs. And he would put it on his shoulders. And he would carry it until it was healed. And then when the lamb was healed, he put that lamb down. And that lamb was so used to being around him, being fed by him by hand, being petted by him, he'd stuck the closest more than all of them because he wanted to be around the master. And that's what God does to us sometimes. We just have to surrender. God will break us. And just surrender, Lord. I surrender. And during that time of healing, he'll hold you close. You'll hear his voice. You'll fall in love with him. And when it's over, you'll be that much closer than ever before. And that's a growing process. But that's why it's day-by-day provision. That's why he goes little by little in what he does so that you can get closer and closer and closer. So when it comes time for you to call down fire from heaven, for you to be used by God mightily, you'll be able to because you have learned in your own life, my Redeemer lives. And it's engraved on your heart. Let's look at the next time God moves in his life. Now the brook's drying up. Now he goes to the widow of Zarephath. Verse 8 of chapter 17. It says, Now it happened after a while that the brook dried up, and because there had been no rain in the land, that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he had come to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her, saying, Please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, 
only a handful of flour in a bin and a little bit of oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for me, myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as I have said. But make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterwards make some for yourself and your son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry, until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went and went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and her, he and her household ate for many days. If you look at that, you see that now she is challenged to believe. You know, you're going to gather sticks so that you can eat this last little bit and you're going to die because this is it and there's nothing anywhere because there's a famine in the land. And this guy asks you, hey, make it for me first and bring it to me. Then God will bring more. She could have said, yeah, sure, be right back. And then walk away, clown, what's he thinking, man? I'm not going to give him nothing. Right? She could have done that. She could have been selfish. I'm going to take care of myself. But she decided, I'm going to trust God and help the prophet. And when she scooped the last bit out and made it and took it to him and came back, she goes, wow, there's two more servings in here. Cool. And every day, every day, every day, it was there. Because God provided. God made it happen. But she could have quit. And Elijah could have not left. He could have stayed by the brook or went to another brook, but he went exactly where God told him to. God had provided a way out. He waited for that way out. Faith always looks for the way out unto the Lord. You see, so many times we panic. And we say, okay, God's not moving. God doesn't hear. God's not going to do anything. I'm going to go. I'm going to move. I'm going to take control. God doesn't see. And we forget that God knows. I mean, we at our home try to run our house. We take all the information we have. We take all the data. We bring it together, and we make the best decision that we can for our home and our household based on the facts that we have. But how much more God? God is all-knowing. God knows everything past, everything present, everything future. What kind of decision can he make compared to us? And can you trust him? Can you believe him that he knows what he's doing? The scripture says, no, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except that is such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. You know what that means? That means the lights go out, and there's a door. Some people would rather stay in the darkness, because they like it. And there is no way out, and they're trapped. Other people panic. And they just complain and murmur and cry because they don't see. But they're not looking. But faith goes to the walls. says, I know you have a door here somewhere, Lord. Feels the walls, finds the door, and gets away. 
and gets out. And gets out of circumstances. Gets out of temptations. Delivered by God. Because they looked for the way. You know, Elijah could have said, you know, I'm just staying here. You know, I'm not going to move. I'm going to just stay by this brook until the water comes back and the birds come back. And if he'd have done that, he'd have died. But he said, okay, God, what's the next direction you want me to go? Okay, you're not providing in the way that I think you should provide. So show me the way that you want me to move, that you want me to go, and the direction you want me to have. And he will move, and he will show you. If you're looking in temptation, God, deliver me. God, deliver me. Some guys don't even pray that. They like the darkness. But other people, God, deliver me. God, deliver me. And they stay right there. They don't look for a door. They don't look for the way out that God has provided. He's promised. It will always be there. That door will always be there. Look for it. Find it. By faith, believe him that he's doing it. You see, and the widow herself now has to deal with the situation because now she has to move by faith. Now she has to believe. And the same faith now is required of her. And believe it or not, Elijah Elijah tells her, do not fear. Go. Hey, it takes courage to believe. It takes courage to follow God. It takes courage to have faith and to trust that God will move. But when God does it, he'll blow you away. And always, faith sees beyond reason. Faith is the only way you can see beyond reason. You know, the scripture says perplexed but not forsaken. That word perplexed means I'm at my wit's end. You ever feel that way? When you're approached with a circumstance and you tried this and you tried that, you tried this, you tried that, now you're at your wit's end and you don't know what to do. I don't know what's left, God. And do you give up or do you move forward with the Lord? Do you say, you're not real? Or do you say, what's next, God? What's next? The scripture says in Hebrews 11, 1, it says, faith is the substance of of things hoped for. Evidence of things not seen. You can't see them. you got a paycheck coming in two weeks. Ah, God's going to provide. God's going to provide. That's not faith. You're getting a paycheck in two weeks. But when you don't have a job, you're sitting there, you don't know where it's going to come from. You say, I know my God's going to provide. You don't see it. But you see him. And you see his promises. And he says he's going to take care of things. And he'll do it. Always. Maybe not in the way you think. Maybe not in the way you understand. But be open and be looking to see what God's going to do. And have faith. Because why? God's provision requires faith. As we see here with Elijah. That he has to see beyond reason. She has to see beyond reason. Because It's only going to take a miracle for her to do this. And she believes, and God moves, and God provides day by day. Every morning, every evening, she scoops it out. That's the last bit of it. Every morning she wakes up, there's three servings every day. And God provides. Now let's look how this whole situation now 
brings us to Elijah and the fire, bringing down fire from heaven. 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 20. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets to come to Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone and left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves. Cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood and put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first for you are many. And call on the name of your God, and put no fire under it. So they took the bull which, has, which was given them, and they prepared it, and they called on the name of Baal from morning, evening, till noon. Morning, even, till noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. And there was no voice, and no one answered. Then they leaped about the altar and they, which they had made. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either is he, is he meditating, or is he busy, or is he on a journey, or perhaps he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they cried aloud, and they cut themselves as with their customs, as what's their custom, with knives and lances until blood was gushing out of them. And when midday had passed, they prophesied until the time of the evening offering sacrifice. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah, then Elijah said to the people, Come near to me. And so all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then the stones he, with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and, which he, and made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two sieves of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood and said, Fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And they said, Do it a second time. And they did it a second time. Do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar and he also filled the trench with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are the God of Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed, consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. What a tremendous act of God to do this. And a preparation of the heart of Elijah to be able to do this. 
Why? Because if God told you to stand outside on Lower Isuzu Canyon Road and call down fire from heaven, would you do it? Takes faith, huh? Takes faith. But the fact that God provided for three and a half years by birds feeding him, by a miracle of flour and oil appearing in the bottle and the barrel, for three and a half years, those little things, those little trials, those little provisions that God made prepared his heart to be used for his destiny. To be used for what God called him to do. Because calling down fire from heaven was not a big deal to a man who has seen God move day by day in his life. Day by day in his life. He saw the, the birds. He saw the miracles. Day by day. This man knew God could bring fire from heaven. Because he told me to, it's going to happen. And God prepared his heart and used it in that way. And he challenges the people, how long will you be limping between two opinions? Because if you look at people who don't have faith, they're never happy. People who are cut between two opinions, they're walking the line, part in the world, part in the church, and they're miserable people. They're miserable people, and they have no power in their life. God wants to move in their life, but they have to surrender first in order for God to do it. The brook and the widow prepared his faith for the great things that God wanted to do. And if you look at your life, whatever trial, it's this big compared to the big picture. It's very small compared to your whole life and your destiny. But you're going through the valley because God's taking you to another mountain peak. And you're going through a dark time in your life. But look at this carpet. There's, there's dark and light colors. But if there was only dark colors, it wouldn't be much of a carpet. But because there's dark and light, it makes a beautiful, beautiful picture. As such is your life. There's going to be good times. There's going to be bad times. There's going to be great times. There's going to be dark times. But all of them will make you who you are. All of them will make you that much closer to God. Because you saw him provide here. You saw him survive this temptation. You saw him in this crisis. You saw him. You wrote it down in your journal how God provided, how God delivered, how God saved me. And all of them are a testimony to prepare you for the great work that God has. Because it's a bigger picture. It's a bigger picture. There's a song by the Imperials that says, But the chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you that they drop powerless behind you when you praise him. That's all they're for. So that you can learn to call on God. So that you can draw closer to God. So you can have a deeper relationship with him. Because it's not about you. It's about you and him. It's about what he has for you. And what he wants to do to you. Okay. Lastly, let's look at the very last thing he does. He prays for rain. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 42. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. And then he bowed down to the ground, put his face between his knees, and said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And so he went up and looked, and he says, There's nothing. And seven times he said, Go again. And it came to pass on the seventh time that he said, 
There is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising from the sea. He says, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Here he prays seven times. He goes, he gets down, he puts his face between his knees and he just starts praying. God, bring the rain now. God, do it now. Show the people. Lord, just do a great work. Okay, go check. There ain't nothing, man. Okay. Pray it again. Okay, go check. Still nothing. And he did it seven times. Seven times. Seven's always a number of completeness. Completely prayed. Completely believed. And on the seventh time he prayed, he said, Well, there's something. It's about size of a fist and it's coming out of the water he says go tell Ahab he better hurry up because the rain's going to come down so hard the mud's going to stop his chariot he believed but he never stopped praying he never gave up praying with determined faith so if you really believe God to provide and to change things no matter what happens no matter if you see that little fist of rain going up or not you pray without ceasing you pray and you believe you pray and you be open to what God's going to do because God moves here he prayed seven times before he even saw a little bit and they says tell him it's going to come down like gangbusters man God's going to send the rain because he believed he kept going God said he would bring the rain and he believed and God provides for us so that we believe God will always provide for you but you need to be able to be submitting to his will be open to what he wants to do keep the bigger picture what is God doing in my life and how is God going to move and allow God to move and don't give up and keep praying and allow God to do it now I want you to turn to James chapter 5 James chapter 5 And I want to show you something really, really cool. Verse 17 says, Elijah, talking specifically here, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three three years and six months. And he prayed again, and heavens gave rain, and the earth produced fruit. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, He's just like you and me. He's not a special guy. He's not some guy who walks, and when he walks, he just floats, and he's got this halo as he goes by. He's a normal Joe. He's a normal person, because it was not how great this man Elijah was. It was all about how great this God of Elijah was. And he's saying this here in James, saying, The same way that God moved in Elijah's life, God can move with you if you just believe and you just trust him. So, God's provision requires faith. Not your way. It's his way. And allow God to move and allow God to change and watch the miracles happen. As God begins to change your life. Because why? It's about the big picture. God has a plan for your life. Remember, you are his workmanship. Created for good works. 
that we determined beforehand. You want to find what that is? You want to live that life? You're going through this trial. You're going through this problem, this crisis. It's designed to show you that I am the God of all flesh and there is nothing too hard for me. It's designed to draw you closer to Him so that He can prepare you for the bigger blessing. See it through, because God never fails. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you and we thank you so much for your grace and love and mercy, Lord. I pray for all these people here, Lord, that you would be Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, and that you would see them through all their trials, Lord. Those who are looking for you, for strength to make it through temptation, show them the way out. Give them strength, Lord. Those who are going through a crisis time in their life, Lord, give them your peace. And give them patience, Lord, to wait for your hand. And those who are financially in need, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would work a miracle and show them the way. Show them how you want to provide. As the brook dries up, give them direction, Lord, and bless them. Take care of your people, Lord. See them through. And anybody here, while we pray, if you're going through a major crisis in your life and you really need God to make a major move, and you really want the Lord, right now is the time to believe, and God will provide. I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. God bless you. Hands going up everywhere. God bless you guys. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for these people going through so much, Lord. Lord, this place is a hospital taking care of your people, and I pray right now that you would give them the medicine of your word and your gospel. And that you would be the great physician who heals. Be the God who saves in their life and work a miracle. And through that miracle, God, you would draw them that much closer. As you have used these circumstances to break them. Now I pray, O God of the universe, you heal them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys.